A-M-E-M, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. From Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure friendly hotlines are open. 877 Dave 007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General General Cigar Cigar Day. Your global leader, the foremost authority on the alpha male lifestyle. That includes cigars, spirits, diversions, dice, dames, grilling, delicacies. Of course, also taking on the enemies of pleasure. Celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest all of October. And today we shall do so as well. I've got three magnificent beers Nicely chilled in front of me here at Command Center Alpha on my giant desk that looks like an airplane wing. And I've got a great cigar that I will be enjoying as well. Got a ton of items we shall get to. And also in the second hour, we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest Home Brewing 101. Everything you need to know if you care to make your own beer. It is a big and growing hobby. Why not? All about the alpha male good life. Long ash greetings and salutations. A long ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the enemies of carbon. Screw the enemies of fossil fuels. Your five-star global general and alpha male-in-chief, As I mentioned, coming to you from Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa. As always, we invite you to communicate with us, Cigar Dave at CigarDave.com. Or should you care to follow us on social media, just go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner, all the links to follow me. Twitter is where I tend to spend most of my time, but we're on every social media platform. Twitter is at Cigar Dave Show, is the handle Facebook Cigar Dave. All right, before we get going here, I get into broadcast maneuvers and conversational maneuvers. I have in front of me my Glencairn whiskey snifter. I enjoy drinking beer out of my snifter. And since we are celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest, why wait? Let's get things off on the right foot. We're not like some of those other shows that say, you can't smoke cigars, you can't drink, oh, it's too early. There is no right, there is no wrong, it is only what I deem to be appropriate. And I deem that no matter what time of day, it is always appropriate to sample fine adult beverages and great cigars. So without further delay, ah, nice and cool and fresh and crisp here, as we have a ton of rain going on in the Cigar City, but I've just poured myself, as Liz Warren said, anybody want to join, what did she, I think she said, I'm going to get me a beer. Anybody want to join me for a beer? Yeah, okay, Liz. Sure, Focahontas. Go in your teepee and get the beer. I have just pulled out of my refrigerator in the Command Center Alpha Commissary a chilled can of Samuel Adams Sam 76. 
They call it America's go-to beer. This is a very interesting, unique beer. I'll tell you why. By experimenting with two yeast strains, both a lager and an ale yeast strain, the brewers at Sam Adams came up with a brand new beer called Sam 76. So they take the two active fermentations, they blend them together, and you get this harmonious, beautiful beer that's kind of a combination lager and a combination ale. So what happens is you get the distinct flavor, the fruitiness of an ale, with the very balanced, smooth drinkability of a lager. So without any further delay, let me say cheers and take a little sip of this. Mmm. Mmm. Wow. Definitely some little hazy yellow in color. Very smooth. They use four different types of hops. Cascade, Citra, Mosaic, Simcoe, and Galaxy. Actually, five. I was wrong. Five types of hops. So you get a little tropical citrus aroma, a slightly citrus hop flavor, but there's no hop bitterness. And the IBU on this is relatively low, so it's very, very drinkable. You're talking 12 on the International Bitterness Unit Scale. So what does that mean? Well, the higher the number, the more hoppiness, the a little bit the bitterness, you get a little bit of that hoppy taste on the back of your mouth. This is very, very smooth. 12, 4%, a 4.7% alcohol by volume, a nice light golden color. Mm. And they use white wheat and two-row pale malt. Very nice, available year-round. So I've got things off properly with my Samuel Adams Sam 76. A couple of years back, I visited the Sam Adams Brewery in Boston and had a lovely uh, day with one of their female brewers. And we had a great time testing some beautiful beers, incredible beers. And we'll talk about more next week when we do our full Cigar Dave, Cigar Oktoberfest, beer tasting maneuver. We're going to taste, I believe, I think we're going to try to hit 30 to 32 beers. If we hit them all, great. If not, we'll do as many as we can, and then we'll put the additional ones into a podcast or a special bonus interstitial during the show. Earlier this week, on Monday, baseball been very, very good to me. David Ortiz, big papi. Baseball been very, very good to me. Fox Sports been very, very good to me. He worked as an analyst for Fox Sports pregame, postgame coverage during the divisional series. Sergeant Steve, it's the division. Uh, is it the divisional? The co- what during are they the called? ALCS. The ALCS. The yeah, ALCS. The championship series, right? The American League Championship Series between the Houston Astronauts and the New York Yankees. And the Yankees have a commanding lead in that. Well, actually, maybe I'm trying to remember. When's uh, Sergeant Steve? What was it? Three to. I'm trying to remember. Two, it was two games to one, I think, on Monday when Big Poppy decided after the game that he was going. No, it was actually game two. It was game two. Yeah, they were the still Astros, in Houston. They were still in they Houston. They were still in Houston, right. Game two, he decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to celebrate by firing up a cigar because, that's, let's face it, he played for the Red Sox. He's not a Yankees fan. So he fires up a cigar, not just any cigar, but one of his own cigars. It is the David Ortiz, the Slugger cigar. Interesting line of cigars that he uh, he partnered with El 
Artistas Cigars. They launched at the Cigar Retailers Convention this past July, the Slugger, after Ortiz's signature home run style. It is a full-flavored cigar, San San Andrean Maduro wrapper, Dominican binder, fillers from the Dominican, Nicaragua, and the U.S. And in contrast to Ortiz's first cigar called the Big Poppy, which is a medium blend, this has more Lajero tobaccos, so it's a fuller, stronger cigar. Only comes in one size, the Gordo XL, 7 inches in length with a 60 ring gauge, 1250 suggested retail per cigar launched this past summer at the Cigar Retailers Convention in Las Vegas. So after game two, he decides he is going to light up a cigar, and we have the audio for you. This is a non-smoking <laughs> building, by the way. Well, it'll uh, probably, probably be the last time we're here. <laughs> I'm not planning coming back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Smoking what you got him. Big, <laughs> big, big Poppy the Slugger, and it's time to go before the fire marshal kicks us out. El Artista. There you go. Oh, it smells good. Get into this one a little while. Oh, Poppy, yeah. well done. Good luck with the cigars. Long night. Uh, that will do for us. Though. We've had enough. Frank's got a bike to ride. Poppy's got a cigar to smoke. See you in New York Tuesday. <laughs> and he was firing up the cigar, and then you you had uh, A-Rod, uh, Alex Rodriguez. He was firing up a cigar. They were having a great time. And Big Poppy, a big prankster. Frank Thomas, last week, he normally has a, a glass of water while he's on the set. Poppy threw out the water and put in vodka, and that caught uh, the big hurt by surprise. So he enjoys a cigar. Nobody was going to kick him out. He's like, hey, I'm not coming back because baseball been very, very good to me. Do you remember the scene, the uh, skit on Saturday Night Live when SNL was actually humorous and funny? 1978, Garrett Morris appears as Chico Escuela, and in the skit, whenever they ask him a question, his answer to everything is, baseball being very, very good to me. My wife being very, very good to me. Baseball being very, very good to me. So now anytime that I see a Latin player, no disrespect. It's just going back to the SNL skit. Baseball being very, very good to me. My new cigar being very, very good to me. Being very, very good to you. Enjoy the cigar. So uh, Big Poppy smoked a cigar, lit it up. Not a word, not a peep from any of the enemies of pleasure. Who's going to say no to him? Nobody. So fantastic. All right. On Monday, there was another humorous television moment. The Wheel of Fortune. Pat, Sa- you know Pat Sajak is 72? Sergeant Steve, did you realize that Pat Sajak, 72? He does not look at it in any no, way. No, he does not look at it at all. It's incredible. I mean, it, today, people that are in their... 70s, even 80s, look so much different than people, let's say, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. If you go back to the early 1970s and pull any television archive, go to YouTube and pull up any of the congressional hearings or even Walter Cronkite. When Walter Cronkite was 50, he looked like he was 75, 80. I don't know what it is, but I think the fact that we are eating healthier, we are exercising more, we're more active. It's very, very different. Pat Sajak, 72. So he has a contestant 
And on the when the contestants come on, they always ask, you know, hey Joe Smith, tell us about yourself. You're from you're from Chico, California. Tell us about yourself. Well, they had a contestant named Blair Davis, and when he asked Blair Davis, who works in a small trucking business in San Diego, here is what Blair had to say about himself. Hello, Blair. Hello. Uh, Blair Davis, Cardiff, California. Owned the trucking business, it says here. Small trucking business yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. Good for you. And talk about your family. I've been trapped in a loveless marriage for the last 12 years <laughs> to an old battle axe named Kim. She cursed my life with three stepchildren named Star, RJ, and Ryan. And I have one rotten grandson. <laughs> Yay! No wonder you came here. You just wanted to get away from everybody. I know you're being uh, facetious. Absolutely. I love them uh, like, no, like nobody's business. I'll bet you do. Is that the greatest answer? I mean, a lot of people thought he was serious. When I first heard the clip, I thought he was serious. Then, of course, at the end, there's that caveat. But that is fantastic. Loveless marriage. I uh, cannot wait to get rid of the dame. She is a nag. She is a nuisance. I got a noose around my neck. You got to love uh, the sense of humor and I was just thinking about that. Patch, say Jack 72, some of the game show hosts are getting up there in years. They're going to need replacements in the next few years, which gives me the idea that I would be the perfect game show host. In fact, there's the Price is Right theme, the Come On Down theme. Now, I could certainly do the voice. Sergeant Steve, come on down. Mick the Brit, come on down. Puff Muffin, Come on down. Colonel Ange, come on down. You are the first four contestants on The Price is Right. Sergeant Steve, you got to hit that other music, that other, that other song we've got, the theme song. There you go. Perfect. And now here is the host of The Price is Right, your alpha male in chief, the General Cigar Day. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Let's see the first item up for bids on The Price is Right. I would be so much better than Drew Carey. And this is the theme to Match Game. Dick Clark for many years. I'm sorry, $25,000 pyramid. Thank you, Sergeant Steve. $25,000 pyramid or $100,000 pyramid. The numbers always change. Name things you do while fornicating. I mean, I would be the perfect host. There's Match Game. Just like Gene Rayburn. Remember Gene Rayburn had that big, long microphone? Joe went to the supermarket and purchased blank. Charles Nelson Riley was on there. I'm trying to remember all the, the stars that were out there. Now they have, what's his name? Who's the guy that I cannot stand that's an absolute lib? Sergeant Steve, what's his name that's hosting that now? It's on ABC, but it's nowhere near as good as when Gene Rayburn What's his name? Um, the actress that yelled at his kid that melts down all the time. Baldwin. Baldwin. What's his first name? Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin, that's it. Yeah. He now hosts that. I see on ABC occasionally. He's horrible. I would be perfect. So if any Hollywood agents are listening, if any game show host producers are listening, I am your man. I can go out. I am happy to commute between the Cigar City of Tampa and get a place in Beverly Hills, CA. I would not be a permanent resident there because of the taxes. No chance. And all the enemies of pleasure and the libs and the fact that you can't enjoy a cigar anywhere in the People's Republic of California. I would be perfect to host a game show. 
got the charisma, the entertainment, the personality. I would be absolutely spectacular. I see some of these people they now want to bring on as game show hosts. They don't have what I have. I would be magnificent. When you think about game shows, you think about Bob Barker, Gene Rayburn. I think of, uh, what was his name? Wink Martindale. In fact, you know who else was one of the, who's the guy that, uh, the original host of Wheel of Fortune was Chuck Woolery. People may not remember that. And then he did, uh, what was it, not the, the dating show. We'll be back in two and two. Love Connection, that was the name of the show. Love Connection, back in two and two. I would be perfect. So as these game show hosts are now retiring, I would be perfect. Now here's the thing. I would probably have to give up alpha male broadcast maneuvers. Maybe yes, maybe no. Because depending on the taping schedule in California, and I know they normally tape like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I could probably still do it. Sergeant Steve, we may have to be a little bit flexible. I may not be able to do, because sometimes they tape on Saturdays. So we'd have to be flexible. I may have to record many shows. However, Well, it'd be 9 a.m. out there, so... Depending on what well, time but, on Saturdays you're taping. Well, they normally start taping in the morning, even on Saturdays. Sometimes they'll go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sometimes they go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Just dep- I'll have to check the well, schedule. Well, if you're hosting, you just tell them it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, sometimes, yes, but depends when the studio availability at CBS Television City or any of the other lots where they tape are available. There's, there's a lot of logistics involved, but I, I will make it work. Fear not, I will absolutely make it work, but I would be perfect to host a game show. I have done so in the past here on the Cigar Dave Show at many of our live broadcasts. There is no doubt about it. I would be fantastic. All right. As you know, we've got this transgender political correctness nonsense going on. My name is Cigar Dave. My preferred pronouns, he, him, general, five-star, alpha, Those are my preferred pronouns. Now you hear all these people. My preferred pronouns are Zhi, Zi, Zhi, Zhang, Zhu. They've got all these different crazy Zhi, Zha, Zhu, like all these crazy pronouns. His gender, cisgender, quadragender. What happened to just he and she? And as I say, and I know I'm being politically correct, as far as I'm concerned, there are only three pronouns. He, she, and freak anything else is unacceptable and is ridiculous and the latest example of ridiculousness comes to us from the great white north eh? up in canada air canada eh? will no longer call passengers ladies and gentlemen instead they will use the gender neutral term everybody air canada flight staff can no longer greet passengers by calling them ladies and gentlemen, the company announced, because they want to be inclusive. All genders. As I said, there are only three genders. He, she, and freak. So if you want to say, and good. Actually, Sergeant Steve, hit the ball. I'll pretend like I'm the captain. Go ahead, hit it. Ladies and gentlemen and freaks, good morning from the flight deck. This is your captain. Expecting an on-time departure this morning. We should have a nice ride from... Toronto down to the Cigar City of Tampa. And again, it is my pleasure to welcome all of you aboard, all of you ladies, gentlemen, uh, ladies, gentlemen, and freaks. That's it. Bing. Done.
However, now Air Canada will replace, ladies and gentlemen, or French, mesdames et messieurs. Flight attendants are now to address passengers as everybody or tout le monde. The announcement was made last weekend, Air Canada not specifying when the change will be implemented. But the change will be reflected in their transmission of onboard announcement manuals as part of their commitment to respect sexual identity, diversity, and inclusion. There are three genders, my friends. He, she, and freak. End of discussion. Don't give me this nonsense that there are 28 different genders. And in fact, now, many airlines, instead of that are non-binary, whatever the hell that means, if you're a non-binary citizen, you can mark your gender as X rather than M or F. So on your passports, M for male, F for female, now X for non-binary. What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? It is ridiculous. You are a male or a female. You want to put F on there for freak? Great. Be my guest. A spokesperson for our Canada, eh, said, we work hard, eh? Thank you very much, Sergeant Steve, eh? And I'm going to do it in my Canadian accent. And by the way, I know we have many Canadians, eh, that listen to us. I grew up in Buffalo Three minutes from the Canadian border, eh? We'd always go over for Chinese food, eh? Over to Fort Erie. A spokesman for Air Canada said, and I'm going to do this in my Canadian accent, eh? We work hard, eh? To make sure all employees feel like valued members of the Air Canada family while ensuring our customers are comfortable and respected when they choose to travel with us, eh? In fact, the Air Canada organization is going to be doing this across the entire, not company, but organization. That If you're Canadian, you don't say company, you say organization, eh? This is ridiculous. Sergeant Steve, hit the hit hit the uh, the ding from the cockpit one more time. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain. I'm tired of the political correctness. The general is 100% correct. For all of you, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you on board. For all of you other freaks, get with the program. Get on the plane. Get off the plane. Don't get in front of the plane because we're sick of this political correctness crap. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is an A.J. Fernandez sampler, including the Last Call Habano. This medium to full-bodied cigar is a personal favorite of A.J. Fernandez and has booming notes of spice with a woody undertone. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. 
Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Sergeant Steve, love the musical selection, the Price is Right theme song, because let's face it, I am a game show host in waiting. Wenny Hollywood, bingo! Good afternoon, fellow contestants. This is your host. I will be in Hollywood to host a show momentarily. Anytime it could happen. Bing, bing, bing. Oh, I'll get to that bing a little bit later. I've got plenty of announcements because remember, we don't play that transgender nonsense here on the Cigar Dave Show. And any Hollywood agents listening, Hollywood producers, Cigar Dave at CigarDave.com, I am ready to host your game show and bring you ratings through the roof. Personality, presence, charisma, entertaining, That's me, your five-star. All right, so I have pulled out a very special cigar because we are celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest. And I need something that's going to go nicely with my remaining two beers, specifically my second beer. So I cannot have a super mild cigar. Can't be super full. It's got to be just right. Well, I've got a cigar that is just right. One of my favorites. It is without exception a super premium cigar. This is the Ashton ESG, the Ashton Estate Sun Grown. It is a Dominican puro, meaning Dominican wrapper, filler, binder. It is made by Arturo Fuente. The wrapper comes from Chateau de la Fuente down in the Dominican Republic. Cigar's been out for a while, very, very limited tough to get. When you can get it, grab them. You're talking about a medium to full-bodied cigar. I have it in my hand. It is absolutely magnificent. And I wanted something a little bit on the larger size. So I've got an ESG 20 Churchill. Six and three-quarter inch length with a 49 ring gauge classic size. You're probably looking in the $22-$24 category. Not inexpensive. But this Cuban Seed Dominican Sun Grown Wrapper, exceptional. Tons and tons of flavor. And I cannot wait, as I smell the wrapper on this, to get a hold of it. One of my favorites. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Ladies and gentlemen, as well as freaks, not everybody. We just call them by the correct pronouns. He, she, freak. This is the captain and the general. I've got myself sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready to cut this magnificent Ashton ESG-20 Churchill. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, I've got the Mala in my hand, the Cigar Dave Make America Lightate again from the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories. Oops, there it goes. 
I've got loads of flame, big tank. I'm looking at the tank right now. Got plenty of fuel, beautiful looking lighter, umpteen jet flames. We'll do a perfect job on my Ashton ESG-20. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen and freaks, this is your general. From Command Center Alpha and the flight deck, I now give you permission to not only roam around the cabin and the humidor, but to cut your magnificent cigar, which is what I just did. Oh, Sergeant Steve, this is one of the showcase themes. Pump that up while I go ahead and fire up my cigar here and toast the foot of this beautiful cigar. By the way, the composer of this, one of the great TV producer, theme composers of all time, Ed Kalahoff. Monday Night Football, NBC, some of the NBC music, ABC World News Tonight, Price is Right. Listen to this. It's fantastic. Moog Synthesizer. <laughs> Sergeant Steve, you realize I'm going to be listening and whistling this all freaking day and weekend. <laughs> that is correct. Mm. Cigar is properly lit. Mm. Excellent. Let me just touch it up one more time here. Mm. Taking my time. Absolutely magnificent. Now, I'm ready to continue Cigar Oktoberfest maneuvers. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Your showcase showdown begins with a trip to Bali. We'll send two of you round-trip jet air coach to Bali. Well, you'll stay at the Bali Marriott. I can just see it now. But wait, when you come back from your trip to Bali, you're going to be picked up in a brand new car. No, I want to be the host. I don't want to be the announcer. All right, I've got in my hand a very special beer. We are going from the Samuel Adams Sam 76, which is a milder beer, combination of ale, lager, very fruity, not very bitter, I think 13, 14 on the IBU scale. Now we're going to go to the Cigar City Brewing Highlight. Much more robustness on the palate. We're going to go from 14 IBUs to 65 IBUs. When you talk about an India Pale Ale, very, very hoppy, a lot more flavor. When we talk about highlight, what is highlight? It was a game native to the Basque region of Spain, played on a court called a fronton. Highlight players attempt to catch a ball using a curved mitt while the ball travels at speeds in excess of 180 miles an hour. So, that game made its way over to Florida. There were fronts, frontons everywhere. There were Miami, Fort Myers, Tampa, Orlando, all over the place. Highlight has since pretty much become extinct in Florida. But back in the day, it was big, and you would bet on it. So paying tribute to the old Highlight fronton on Dale Mabry near Gandhi in the Cigar City, Cigar City Brewing came up with their Highlight India Pale Ale. And they say the merry game of Highlight provides inspiration for this citrus-forward India pale ale with notes of clementine, orange peel, and caramel malt, creating an IPA that's both bold and approachable. And here we go. 
as I open this. Mm, definite notes. First of all, this is a very, very deep golden brown. Almost a caramel honey color. Definite notes of orange peel and citrus. And even just, I would say, a little almost grapefruit. Yep. Let me swirl this around, say cheers. Take a sip. Mmm. Wow. Now, this is great. The IBU, you can definitely tell the hoppiness on the back of the throat before it goes down the back of the tongue. 65 international bitterness units, 7.5% alcohol by volume. So I'm going from the SAM 76, which has an IBU rating of 12 and a 4.7% alcohol by volume to the Cigar City Brewing Highlight, which now features 7.5% alcohol by volume and a 65 on the scale of international bitterness units. So we're almost... Uh, six times what the Sam 76. So this has much more robustness on the palate. A little bit of bitterness, definitely malty, definite hop flavor. They use six different hops, a very flavorful American IPA, fruity. This is perfect for Cigar Oktoberfest any time of the year. If you want something with a medium to full-bodied cigar, Cigar City Brewing Highlight IPA is an absolute winner. Sergeant Steve, hit that music. Let me hear that. Mm. I can listen to this all day. I think this is showcase number one or showcase number two. I can't remember. Number two? Yep. Hey, hit do you have, uh, showcase number one. Let's hit number one if you have it. Not handy? Not handy. I like that, Sergeant Steve. Not handy. All right. No problem. Excellent. Well, I am ready. I am. Yeah, that one's ready. I am ready to host game show maneuvers. All right. Let's talk about. Hit that ding one more time, Sergeant Steve. This is your captain speaking. And I'm here to tell you that Boeing is in a deep pile of problems. And the latest example is Boeing stripping their CEO of their chairman's position. I've got a ton of Boeing-related items that I'm going to get to right now, but first, let me take a puff of my Ashton ESG. Mmm, little sip of my Highlight IPA. Ah, I could drink this whole can right now. It's that cool and refreshing and very tasty. And once you start experimenting with beers, between lagers and ales, your palate will develop. You'll notice the nuances of the IBUs, the International Bitterness Units, the hoppiness, the maltiness, uh, if you get citrus notes. And next week, when we have a gigundous mega-tasting to end Cigar Oktoberfest, we've got 34, I think, that we're going to attempt. And there's all different ales, lagers, different styles. So next week, we will have that. And next hour, we will spend the entire hour talking about home brewing, everything you need to know to brew your own beer. So it should be quite fascinating. All right, let's talk about Boeing. I have been on Boeing's case ever since those crashes of the 737 MAX occurred. And specifically, as a pilot, as someone that wants to know everything there is about the airplane that I am commanding, that I am flying, you don't just go into a new airplane and say, great, let's just take off, here we go. Are the aerodynamics roughly the same? Sure. The physics of flight? Sure. But there are different systems. 
fuel systems, electrical systems, aerodynamic systems, hydraulic systems, just different systems, different characteristics, different nuances. Certain planes land a different way. You need to know the certain speeds. Certain planes, if you if you exceed a certain landing speed configuration, you can float down the runway. There's just little quirks and nuances about every airplane. For example, the 727. When you would get down to ready uh, flare, on, and that was a great airplane, by the way, the Boeing 727, that was a workhorse. But as pilots told me, if you were floating on the runway, the tendency would be to actually pull back on the yoke. No, you have to actually push forward on the yoke when you want to get that airplane to settle. So there are different nuances. Every pilot, when they go tra- undergo transitional training, they learn, they do, first of all, ground classroom instruction, several weeks, big manuals. I've got the Airbus A330 manual that I have studied. I've got probably 80 hours uh, in the Airbus between the 320 and the 330. Different nuances, different systems. Takes two, three weeks to, to learn those systems. Then you go into a full motion simulator, and then you start uh, going through Normal procedures, abnormal procedures, emergency procedures, every single flight phase, whether it's taxiing, takeoff, cruise, descent, landing, you go through all those phases. You need to know how the airplane handles aerodynamically. You go through aerodynamic stalls, steep turns, rapid descents. There are all sorts of various nuances of every airplane. And as pilots, speaking as a pilot, We don't like surprises. We want to know every system on that airplane. We don't want to be told down the road, oh, by the way, this was put on your airplane. We didn't tell you about it, but you may encounter it. That's exactly what happened with the Boeing 737 MAX, or as I call it, the 737 crap, with their MCAS system, their Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System. I'm not going to get into the details about it, but briefly to review The initial Boeing 737, when it was created, when it was designed, it was designed to be low to the ground, primarily as a European airplane, because many of the European short-haul routes did not have uh, jetways. They didn't have the big hydraulic loaders to load and unload baggage, so they needed to be able to get into the baggage compartment, have an air stair that was built into the plane. Well, now when you've basically changed the plane six, seven, eight times over 50 years. And now all of a sudden you've got this long fuselage and you need these big uh, aerodynamically and fuel efficient engines. You have to make changes. They had to raise the height. They had to put the engines forward. That changes the aerodynamics, but they wanted to keep the type rating the same. So what do they do? They create this automatic Maneuver, uh, maneuver characteristics augmentation system that drops the nose down, doesn't tell the pilots anything in certain configurations, and all of a sudden it's just an endless cycle. You try to raise the nose, it goes back down. So when pilots don't know and are told about this and the plane gets approved, you got a big problem. Well, the way that the Boeing CEO and chairman, Dennis Muhlenberg, has handled this has been beyond atrocious. He should have been fired because everywhere along the line, there were design flaws on that Boeing 737 and the way the engineers were told, speed the process up, just hurry it up. Don't worry about skimping. Don't worry about cutting corners. Even though the Boeing engineers, 
The diehard said, this is not right. And when we come back for the final segment of this hour, I'm going to go through all the Boeing problems. I've got probably 20 different articles to go over, items to tell you about. And it started with this week, Boeing stripping their CEO and chairman, uh, Dennis Muhlenberg, of his chairmanship. When we come back, I'm going to go through it. Important stuff. You'll only hear about it right here. Why? Because if it's of interest to me, I think it'll probably be interest to you. And we are broad on this show. We talk cigars. We talk spirits. We talk some politics. We talk life. We talk game shows today. We talk about everything. Why? Because we are intellectually smart. We are worldly. We are up to date on current affairs. And we like our minds being challenged. And I will go over all the Boeing nonsense right around the corner. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Day. The Cigar Dave Officers Club features absolutely spectacular cigars. We've had amazing selections over the last 15 years. This year, we had the Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel Age Sampler. We had the Placencia Alma del Campo, the Aganorsa Leaf Sampler. We had the Platinum Nova Super Premium Sampler. And for October, we're featuring the A.J. Fernandez Sampler. Three great cigars from one of Nicaragua's fantastic cigar manufacturers. The A.J. Fernandez Last Call Habano, nice small little cigar. And A.J. Fernandez Enclave Broadleaf. If you like Maduro cigars, you will love this Connecticut Broadleaf Raft Maduro medium-bodied flavor. And the A.J. Fernandez San Latano Requiem Habano using an incredible, tasty Brazilian Habano wrapper. Very, very rare. If you're not a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, go to Cigar Dave Dave.com right now, $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars shipped to you. That's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com and join. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. When I learned how to fly, I wanted to know every characteristic and system about the plane I was flying. So do airline pilots. So does any pilot. Boeing goofed big time on their 737 MAX design. So Boeing, this week, the board of directors, they essentially cut off CEO and former chairman Dennis Muhlenberg's NADSAC. 
He was stripped of his title as chairman of the board so he could focus on guiding the company out of the grounded Boeing 737 MAX crisis. Lead director David Calhoun is now going to take over as non-executive chairman, the former head of GE's aviation division. And he said, the board has full confidence in Dennis as CEO and believes this division of labor will enable maximum focus on running the business with the board playing an active oversight role. And of course, Muhlenberg came out and said, I'm fully supportive of the board's action. That's like saying, I am fully supportive of going in and having five root canals. Baloney. He had his NADSAC cut off. He was castrated. Rightly so. He screwed everything up. And he was the CEO when this Boeing 737 MAX, when the issues, actually when it was starting to be designed, as well as when the, the uh, 737 MAX problems occurred. They knew all this stuff. So did the FDA. And a scathing report came out last week, story in the New York Times, that the certification process for the Boeing 737 MAX, both Boeing and the FAA were at fault for failing to identify key vulnerabilities in the plane's MCAS maneuvering characteristics augmentation system. Boeing did a poor job representing the MCAS system to regulators. FAA staff didn't coordinate their efforts sufficiently to understand the threat that the MCAS system posed, imposed. Insufficient level of certification goes on and on and on. And we're seeing more problems with Boeing. We are seeing right now, for example, their Boeing 777X, which is a stretch version of the 777, they do these stress tests. They overpressurize the plane to a, a, just a huge amount. The door should stay intact. Everything should be fine. Never in the history of Boeing have they had a problem with a failed pressure stress test. Guess what? Boeing 777X in the stress test, one of the cabin doors blew right out. Beautiful. Tons of problems. The Boeing 787 Dreamliner program has all sorts of issues. And now they just lost a major order for 22 787 Dreamliners from Aeroflot. And their order book is shrinking. The U.S. House panel wants, to, wants the Boeing CEO to allow employee interviews on the 737 MAX design process. Boeing engineers complained about the 737 MAX safety system. The system they wanted to put in which were basically additions to the wing, very uh, aerodynamic additions to the wing, rejected. Why was it rejected? Cost. Didn't worry about safety. Of course, the Boeing CEO now says, we're moving forward to lift the grounding of the 737 MAX. American Airlines says, we're planning on January. Good luck. Nobody wants to fly those 737 pieces of garbage. They're poorly designed from the get-go. I don't think they're going to be up in the air so quickly. Not going to happen. The U.S. Air Force, problem with Boeing, $360 million they're withholding because they're having problems with one of the KC, or with the KC-46 tanker. Just on and on and on. Pentagon reports saying Boeing spent years building damaged F-15s and F-A-18s. Everywhere you look, Boeing has problems. Why Dennis Muhlenberg is still the CEO is beyond me. He's a disaster. For a guy that has an engineering background, you don't cut corners. You don't rush your engineers. Boeing never had those issues. Why? When you start worrying about the bottom line instead of the product, it all goes to hell. 
Next hour, we go to Avid Brewing in St. Petersburg as we'll talk home brewing 101 during Cigar Oktoberfest. This is AMEM, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. From Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure friendly hotlines are open. 877 Dave 007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. For our Cigar Oktoberfest beer tasting maneuvers, most of the beers, virtually all of the beers that we have been sampling, are made at large breweries or craft breweries. One of the big hobbies that has been exploding in popularity the last number of years is brewing your own beer, Home Brewing 101. It is legal, but the question is, how do you brew? What do you need? Where do you start? Well, this hour, we tell you everything you need to know about brewing your own beer. It is Home Brewing 101 as we continue Cigar Oktoberfest maneuvers. We join Jeff Keller, Connor Meyer at Avid Brewing, St. Petersburg, Florida, giving you the roadmap to brew your own beer. We welcome you back, lieutenants, front and center. And as always, follow us along, CigarDave.com. You can follow us on social media, and we are tweeting pictures, and we've got some beautiful beers that are in front of us. Now, many times we see, we, we've done stories, we've, we've interviewed people who are in uh, the beer industry, craft brewing, and they have said, and I've asked them, how did you get into beer? They said, well, I love drinking it, number one. And number two, I decided to get into home brewing. And that's a hobby that really has taken off, I think, in the last five to ten years. And we've seen many craft breweries that have been started by home brewers, brewing enthusiasts. So today, we will teach you everything you need to know about brewing your own beer. Maybe along the way, you'll say, maybe I'm going to try this at least once. So we will give you everything you need to know. So first up, Connor Meyer, the or correction, Jeff Keller, the owner and proprietor of Avid Brew Company. A pleasure to be here on site. And as I look around here, I almost want to start brewing something instantly. Thanks for coming, Dave. Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got uh, a small little brew system here. It's fun to play with. Well, I'm looking at some of your beers here that look magnificent. We also have some raw ingredients. But the first thing I'm looking at is a very big chalkboard. And there are eight different steps on creating your own uh, beer. In fact, it's called Science of Brewing. Now, before we even talk about step one, which is water, malted grain, hops, yeast, adjuncts, I think the first thing is some of the equipment that you need to actually brew. So let's talk about if somebody wants to be a home brewer. Right. There's different ways. I know there's Mr. Beer, if I'm not mistaken. There's right. other things. And you sell everything here. But talk about what equipment is needed to brew your own beer. Well, you're basically going to need a big pot. Um, that's where you're going to do your mashing in. Uh, that's where you do your boiling in. Um, you're also going to need uh, some fermenters. And those come in the form of basically a five-gallon bucket or six-gallon bucket works. Uh, of course, like a food-grade plastic is best. 
Uh, carboys, which are like water jugs, um, those are probably more preferred. Um, they just look better. Um, and they come in glass and also uh, PET plastic. Um, depending on uh, how many beers you want to brew is pretty much at the same time as, as how many fermenters you're going to need. It's, it's kind of like retail uh, rental space. It's Once your, your fermenters are full, then you got to get another one. Um, good problem to have, by the way. It is a good problem. Beer is a good problem when you have lots of it. Um, but you're going to need some basic, uh, you know, hydrometers. You're going to need uh, a, a bottle capper, a big spoon, um, and then patience. Uh, you cannot rush the hands of time. You cannot, no. So once you start making your beer, the whole process takes about 30 days. So uh, you'll have your official brew day, which is uh, usually three to four, maybe five hours. Um, after that, you let your beer do its thing and just ferment, um, uh, you know, it, it, at a certain temperature for a couple of weeks and then usually bottle age or bottle condition after that. You could also go into a keg, which takes another week or two. Well, the nice thing about home brewing as opposed to, well, first of all, it, home brewing is 100% legal as opposed right. to distilling your own distilled spirits, meaning vodka or whiskey, moonshine. And there's a reason, there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, but first, I think probably the most important is Health and safety. Right, right. Yeah, and, and distilling, you could you could uh, really mess some people up by you know poisoning them, well, or you could blow yourself say, up as well. You could make a right. make a bomb. Because I think there's two types of alcohol. There's what ether alcohol and ethyl, and one is deadly, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, one is deadly, and one you can drink. One right, is okay. Right, right. And the key is you want to get the one that that you can drink that's okay, but. There's, there's much more uh, regulation, and that's why you see these moonshiners. It's technically legal, but home brewing is legal. And Jeff, or correction, Connor Meyer, the, the master brewer, uh, home brewing, 100% legal, very different than distillation as we were talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, get that mic nice and close. Uh, absolutely. Even closer. Oh, absolutely. Much better. <laughs> much better. Third time is the charm. Nice. So a very big difference. And... Uh, what type of people are you seeing coming in? Is there any specific age range, or is it more men than women? You seeing? Give us an idea of who's coming in here to actually learn how to homebrew. Um, for the most part, it's twenty-five to thirty-five-year-old men and a little bit older. Um, mostly people that have found that they either want to make it cheaper or they want to make something that they can't get at the breweries, and they they want to have something seasonal for themselves so they can make for each season, for each day, for each month, or for an event or for a party. They want to make theirs. They want to have their own thing going. Well, I think there's also something very cool and I think maybe a little bit uh, romantic about saying, I'm a home brewer. I brew my own beers, where you have people at a party and you can sample some of their beers and people can actually be very proud of the offerings that they're serving. Absolutely. It is. You know, I think there's something, there's a, there's a wow factor to that. Oh, yeah. You can add your own flavors. You can do anything you want. So you can make it as strong or as light, dark and heavy, or you know, barrel-aged or whatever you like. Now, one of the people that we uh, know mutually, Phil Azun, who is uh, he's known as Phil R. Blend on the Cigar Dave Show, my producer for many years, now helps us with creative services. He is a home brewer. And he, he comes in here, purchases home brewing supply, and he is he's told me, he said, I, I finished very high. I didn't win the award yet. And, of course, I razz them, razz them about it all the time. But the one thing he always tells me is that he loves to be able to experiment and try different things. And I think that's probably the one commonality with home brewers is they want to try, they want to have fun. It's a hobby. He's making some great beer, by the he way. He is. It, it, he sampled some of One of his IPAs of it, yeah. are pretty they're, – they're off the charts. 
Yeah, and what, so what makes a beer off the charts? How does a home brewer able to be able to brew something to say, that's off the charts? What is it? Is it the well, ingredients? Is it how they it, ferment it's it? It's all in perspective and personal taste. You know, I, I, like, uh, I like IPAs. Some people hate them. You know, I'm not a big stout guy, uh, but that's all some people will ever drink. So to make a chart, you know, that fluctuates or, and I, I, you know, is relevant to someone's taste, I don't know how, how you can do that. It's, it's all personal taste. But overall, what about the beer did you enjoy? Um, probably the aroma, the, 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 the clearness, the crisp, crispness, um, the overall flavor. You know, his, the last IPA did, I think it was a, a mango or something like that in there. And it, it was just full of flavor. And again, there's no right or wrong. So you could have five homebrewers coming up with an IPA. Everyone's going to be slightly different depending on what they put in and, and, and I guess the hops they use and the other ingredients. So really, it is, it is a custom creation. Also, their equipment and their brew style and how they did it specifically. I mean, the temperatures can change everything. Temperatures of fermentation, temperatures of your mash, everything can change. And each brewer has different preferences based on what they want out of it. So you can make it drier. You can make it a little more body. You can give it more aroma by adding hops late. You can give it a little bit more bitterness by adding hops really early. So, I mean, each brewer knows what they like and know what they want. And, I mean, there's... There's great beer in every style, and every little bit is a little different, but it's wonderful in its own way. So we have learned so far that before we even get into the science of brewing and home brewing, before we go through the, diff the eight steps, you need some key equipment. And uh, Jeff, as you mentioned, brew kettles, fermentation vessel, a fermentation lock, a spoon. Is that to sample the beer while you're while you're making it? Sure, you got it. You got you taste it. What you know, your creation? It's like grating a soup. I got to taste it. I got to try it. Uh, the hydrometer, bottles, an auto siphon, bottle cappers, bottle caps, starter kit. You said some jugs and also sanitizer, which is important, which we will talk about. We're we're at Avid Brew Company in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida, with Jeff Keller, the owner, and master uh, brewer Connor Meyer. We are talking home brewing 101. When we come back, the science of brewing. We will tell you everything you need to know to create your own brew. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. 
Good news for those of you that are members of the Cigar Dave Officers Club. The October 2019 selection featuring the A.J. Fernandez sampler has been shipped. It is in the mail. It is en route. You should be receiving those beginning of the week to early part of the week, depending on where you live in the United States of America. Let me tell you about the three cigars featured in the A.J. Fernandez sampler for October. First up. Very unique cigar, small cigar, the A.J. Fernandez Last Call Habano. This is the Cortica. These cigars handed out to guests staying at A.J. Fernandez's Casablanca House down in Nicaragua by the factory. Booming notes of spice, nice woody undertone, very unique size, very tasty. Next up, the A.J. Fernandez Enclave Broadleaf. Newest addition to the Enclave features a deep, dark Connecticut broadleaf Maduro wrapper surrounding beautiful Nicaraguan fillers. It is medium-bodied, nice notes of espresso, pepper, even some occasional chocolate. Finally, the A.J. Fernandez San Latano Requiem Habano. Now, this is very unique. It's got a bright and snappy filler medley of Nicaraguan, Dominican, and Honduran tobaccos, but they use a rare Brazilian Habano wrapper that is only sold to two manufacturers in the world, A.J. Fernandez is one of them. Three great cigars, the October 2019 Officers Club selection, the A.J. Fernandez Sampler, the A.J. Fernandez Last Call Habano Cortica, the A.J. Fernandez Enclave Broadleaf, and the A.J. Fernandez San Latano Requiem Habano. If you want to get three fantastic cigars shipped directly to you, great cigars, mild, medium, full, huge variety, go to CigarDave.com, become a member of the Officers Club, $22.95 per month, you get three exceptional cigars, the latest and greatest in cigars. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join the Officers Club right now. Be one of the special few to enjoy fabulous cigars. Celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest by teaching you how to home brew as we get into the science of brewing today on our Cigar Oktoberfest editions of the Cigar Dave Show. We're at Avid Brew Company, downtown St. Pete, where you can buy supplies, you can learn how to brew. We're with Jeff Keller, the owner, Connor Meyer, the master brewer. And gentlemen, I have to say, thank you for wearing your lederhosen and dressing up, really getting into the Oktoberfest spirit. Looks you're, good. You're welcome, Dave. You guys pulled off nicely. I'm telling you, I like the little uh, feather in the in the hat. You guys look like German pimps. We just got it off a pheasant <laughs> running across the street. <laughs> and actually, there's the Hofbrauhaus not far from where we are. That's so, right, right down yes. the street. There you go. Now, uh, before we get into we actually talked about what you need, what equipment. So I'm looking at a board here, the science of brewing. There are eight steps. First is the ingredients. Second is mashing grains. Number three is sparging. Number four is boiling. Number five is adding hops. Number six is chilling. Number seven is pitching yeast. That's not like pitching a ten, is it? Close. Close, okay. <laughs> Eight, fermentation and bottling. And there's nine that's not on there, and that is drinking and enjoying. That's right. That's the best one. That's the most Why important. Why not on there? 
That's right. We'll get into that because I'm looking at four magnificent samples here. But first, let's talk about the ingredients necessary to make beer. Everybody knows you need water, good water to right, start. Right. Can't have bad water. No, no. matter what the spirit, it's got to start with good water. It's got to start with good water. Water is the, the main ingredient in beer. So if your water tastes good, then you know if you're happy with the water, then that's your base of your beer. Now, we don't have great water in Florida. No. That is a scientifically no. known fact. It doesn't taste... It's not like in Kentucky where you go to the Jack Daniels Distillery in Lynchburg and then there's limestone stream where they get no, all the water. Unfortunately not. We don't have that. So what what do you have to do because of the bad water that, that you know we get off out of the tap here? Well, kind of interesting. If you look at the history of beer from all over the world, like Germany, Belgium, and um, England, you have beer styles that are based around the water profile they have. So, I mean, like England, you have the IPAs and porters. Germany, you have the lagers and the lighter beers. And then Belgium, you just have weird, crazy, awesome, delicious beers. But you can see that the culture of beer has grown around what kind of waters they had. And you can now adjust your water with different mineral salts like calcium and sulfates. And you can adjust your water to whatever you want, especially if you have RO water. You can use that and build up. And what is RO water? Uh, reverse osmosis. It's just a really good filter. Gotcha. It basically makes water as pure as possible. I mean, I think we, we, we think of the old Coors ads where you see one of the Coors uh, family members talk, you know, he's in like a, 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 a jacket. He's out by this beautiful stream in the Rocky Mountains that the water is pure. I mean, I think that's the image that most people have. But let's face it, water is different everywhere around the world. And there's some great beers anywhere you go around the world. So that's the first thing is obviously filter the water, and then you can add different compounds to it to get that water. So water's the first thing. The next thing you need is malted grain. What type of malted grain? Barley is the most Barley. common one. Uh, you can also use wheat and rye and... Sure, because wheat beers. corn for... Corn and rice. Sugar. Well, when you think about corn, the number one ingredient in bourbon, bourbon whiskeys. But when you think uh, there's also wheat whiskeys, but wheat beers we've seen. Mm -hmm. So barley is number one. Wheat is probably number two. Yes. Okay. So you have malted grains. Then hops, which give it the tanginess or bitterness. Bitterness, aromas, some of the flavors. Most of the flavors that you're really getting that are um, floral and citrusy are coming from the, from the hops. Okay. Yeast. Yeast is really interesting as well because there's so many varieties of it and from all over the world. And you can have yeast that give you fruity flavors and yeast that give you spicy flavors and yeast that are completely neutral. So you can get all sorts of different flavors from yeast that are from all over the world. All right. And then the last thing, adjuncts, which are? Uh, stuff like rye, fruits. Um, Mango? Mango, yeah, absolutely. Citrus? Um, all sorts of different things that you can put into the beer. Um, cinnamon. I was going to say peppers. cinnamon, pumpkin. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's just the, the uh, additionals, whatever, whatever little things you want to add to it, a coriander, for example. Th those aren't necessary, though. I mean, a, like a traditional German beer, as it's defined, only has grain, hops, water, and yeast. Well, and I think there's you have beer purists that say, I can't have anything. But right. I think if you take a look at the changing tastes and demographics of people who consume beer. I think people want variety. They want new things. They, there's, they're not concerned with, well, I've got to have exactly the way they did it in Bavaria in 1875. No. They want something that's going to be enjoyable and taste good. And I think if you take a look, I was at Shipyard Brewing. Uh, last week, we, we, we did a tour up in, in Portland, Maine, and their number one beer is their pumpkin uh, ale. 
And it's a great beer, flies off the shelves, tastes incredible. So there's no right, there's no wrong, it's what you enjoy. <laughs> it's that time of the year for pumpkin beer. Exactly right. We're seeing that now. And also the Oktoberfest beers. Right, yeah. Those Marzen type of beers. They're good. All right, so the, the, now that we've got our, our ingredients, the water, the malted grain, hops, yeast, the adjunct ingredients, next comes mashing of the grains. What is mashing? So mashing is basically mixing the cracked grain with water. And what that does is with temperature, you can activate the enzymes natural within the grains to consume the starches and convert them into sugars. And the sugars is what you need to make alcohol. So that's what the yeast is going to eat. Now, that, so that's the boiling process? Or is no, that that's, just, that's just, just the mashing. So just, just the mashing. So you basically mashing. take cold water or is Actually, it hot water? Actually, it's hot water. It's about 142 to 159 degrees. Okay, hot water along with the malted grains, mm -hmm. whether it's wheat or whether it's barley. Mm -hmm. And then you just allow them to just sit. Sit for about an hour, sometimes a little longer. There's also other profiles for uh, mashing, like step mashing or decoction, where you and take some out. Now, what is step mashing? Step mashing is where you start at a lower temperature and then raise it up and then raise it up again. And that gets you different profiles because there's different enzymes that are active throughout the entire mashing process. And the enzymes converts the starch to sugar, mm -hmm. which gives you the sweetness. So I know that when I've been... Well, it gives you the food for the yeast to convert to alcohol. Food for the yeast to convert to alcohol. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So you normally steep grains between 142 to 159 degrees. Mm -hmm. And the different temperatures dictate whether the beer is going to be crisp and light and dry, like a dry wine, or have a little more body like a Guinness Stout has a, that full body flavor. Higher the temperature, more more body. Absolutely. Gotcha. Lower the In temperature. one degree makes a big difference. Does it really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. How much of a difference? It, like if you try to brew the same beer twice and you're a couple degrees off, it'll be a very dramatically different beer. So people that are home brewers, that's why you need a thermometer because you Absolutely. must be a, preferably True. a digital thermometer. Mm -hmm. I would say probably. I, I actually prefer the alcohol glass thermometers. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's they're, they're accurate. All right. Now, all the... Ingredients we talked about, except the water, but malted grain, the hops, the yeast, the adjuncts, as well as the equipment to home brew, you sell here at Avid Brew Company. Mm -hmm. Right. And you'll help guide people. We teach classes, actually. You teach classes. I better get to one of these classes pronto. <laughs> They're a, a lot of fun. Time, yeah. We, we and drink I want, a lot of beer in those classes. And well, I know one thing I'm going to put in there. I want to put in, I want to try something taking some of the Jack, I've got some Jack Daniels barrel staves. Oh, yeah. and maybe finishing it off. So we'll talk about that. We're at Avid Brew Company in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida with Jeff Keller, the owner, and master brewer Connor Meyer. We have learned that the ingredients you need and how to mash grains. When we come back, we'll talk about sparging, boiling, and adding the hops. Science of Brewing, Home Brewing 101, today on Cigar Oktoberfest. Selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is an AJ Fernandez sampler, including the Enclave Broadleaf. This cigar features a dark Connecticut broadleaf Maduro wrapper, creating a medium bodied smoke with hints of espresso, pepper, and chocolate. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at cigardave.com. The Cigar Dave Show is available 24-7, 365 via the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, iPhone, as well as Amazon Kindle. 
You don't need to be in front of a radio. You just need to have your mobile device ready to go. And you can listen to me take on the enemies of pleasure. Talk about the alpha male good life as we talk cigars, spirits, diversions, grilling, everything associated with the alpha male good life. So go download the Cigar Dave mobile app today presented by Diamond Crown. And you can listen to the show live noon to 2 Eastern time anywhere around the world. And as soon as the show is done, we run a continuous loop. The show is also available on demand, also our Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and the ability for you to record a message and send it directly to us. So go right now, if you've got an Android, an iPhone, or the Amazon Kindle, go and download the Cigar Dave mobile app presented by Diamond Crown. Never miss a minute of a Cigar Dave show with a Cigar Dave mobile app. Continuing Cigar Oktoberfest here on the Cigar Dave Show, the entire month of October, combining cigars and beer. We never need a reason or an occasion to celebrate, but certainly Oktoberfest and Cigar Oktoberfest is the perfect way to do so. Perfect excuse for us to light up a fine cigar, do some beer pairings, and I'm looking at four magnificent beers here at Avid Brew Company, downtown St. Petersburg. We're talking about home brewing 101, the science of brewing. It has become an increasingly popular hobby. So this week we're talking about everything you need to know about uh, home brewing, the equipment you need, the process, and next week we'll be talking with a couple of home brewers talking about their little secrets and what they make. So we welcome you back to Avid Brew Company downtown St. Petersburg with Jeff Keller, the owner, and master brewer Connor Meyer. And I should say, gentlemen, that that downtown St. Petersburg not only has experienced a renaissance in terms of restaurants and, and housing and, and activities, but it's really become a beer epicenter, a cool little micro center of beer activity. Totally, it is. It's, it's grown over the past few years. Um, we've been here about four years. Um, you know, Green Bench kind of started uh, the whole revolution around here and, and bringing in some different unique beers and, and uh, uh, you know, Cycles following, Cage, Pinell Sailworks, St. Pete Brewing. And, and still going. And you know what? Sergeant Steve will put up a map uh, at CigarDave.com where we will put little pins on all the different breweries that are in the downtown St. Petersburg area. Actually, we're looking at one right now. It's called the Brewery Bay. I didn't realize just looking at the entire Cigar City area, Tampa Bay area, the number of breweries. But uh, there's a ton of them in downtown St. Petersburg. So if you're considering a visit down, especially between the months of like December and March, Perfect time if you're a beer enthusiast. Some great places, great restaurants, and great brew pubs right here in downtown St. Petersburg. So we'll outline that. Now, one of the things that you gentlemen mentioned that brewing is all about time and temperature. And as we learned in step two, mashing of the grains, you basically steep the grains, whether it's wheat or whether it's cracked barley, in hot water between 142 degrees and 159 degrees. And you both said time and temperature that's all brewing is about. It's crucial. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you don't go long enough, it's not going to convert all the starches, and then you're just going to have less alcoholic beer. And if you go too long, which isn't too much of a problem, but you can start extracting flavors you don't actually want. So an hour, hour and a half, 
at the temperature you want for the body you're trying to find is really important to kind of nail down and taking notes, being sure you're, you're repeating. So if you make the same beer again, you can either not make the bad beer again or make the good beer again. Remember those composition books we used to have back in grade school where you'd write everything down, they were kind of bound. I would say if you're going to be a home brewer, that's a good investment to make because every time you make a batch, I would assume the exact amount, the time, the temperature, so you could look back and take notes and say, you know, I like that particular beer, but let me try one degree more for maybe another few more minutes, see what that does. And then you hit that aha moment where you get exactly the formulation you're looking it's for. It's a beautiful feeling. I'm sure it is. You've had it many times. <laughs> so when you brew all your beers, everything the exact same way. Absolutely. So Absolutely. you know that's... I, I have an entire recipe notebook full of just notation throughout the whole process. And that is guarded. I noticed a very large vault as you walk in here. And that is guarded. <laughs> Nobody's getting near there. In fact, Stop there's secret. there's patrol dogs right, right around there. <laughs> secret service. All right. So time and temperature, key elements in brewing. Now, after you mash the grains and you said roughly, what, an hour? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the next step? Sparging, which sparging is basically a, a fancy word for rinsing the grains out. Rinsing you, the grains. You need to rinse that sugar out of the grains that you've converted the starches, you convert into sugars, and now you're trying to rinse all those sugars out into another pot or take the grains out of that pot and rinse the sugars out of the grains. So you just want to separate the grains from the sugars. So you want the sugars out. No, you want the sugars in so that you can use that to boil. Ah, so you want the you're sugars. You're trying to just remove the grain. Oh, so once the grain is done, you don't need it anymore. Nope. Now, my understanding is, is that many breweries, when I was up at Shipyard Brewing, they told me that they sell the remnants, the grains, to various farms so they yeah. get continuous reuse in the area. Yeah, you can make dog biscuits out of it, too, and... Um Chickens, my chickens love it. They'll go crazy after a while, and they'll they'll gorge on them. So it's like a dry. It just becomes like when you dry it out, it just dries. It's, it's pretty empty of any nutrition, but it's just just grain. Because chickens like it, and dogs yeah, like that it. That or yeah. compost. Compost is another alternative. Okay. And so we actually here have a, a man named Angel. We give our uh, grains to for his goats. Really. Mm -hmm. So basically, there's no waste whatsoever. <laughs> Constant recycling. That's it. All right, fantastic. So sparging, you are rinsing the sugar out of the grains. You're getting rid of the grains. You're retaining the sugar and the water. Yep, which is called wort. Wort, W-O-R-T. Now, we I've actually sampled the wort, and when it's warm, mm. it tastes pretty good. It's, it's like a delicious. sweet tea. Yeah. It is like a sweet tea. A grain tea. We were at uh, uh, Dunedin Brewing, and, and uh, Mike Bryant said, try this. I said, boy, the smell is incredible. You could actually make a tea or a soup out of that mm -hmm. thing. It, it was actually I thought it was just drink it in and of itself. We we bottled uh, a couple bottles of a, um, a black IPA and it tasted just like a stout, uh, a non-alcoholic stout because it doesn't have any alcohol in it. Um, so it's yeah, it's pretty good stuff. So the word is basically the the sugars with the water uh, after you have mashed the grains. Mm -hmm. So the sparging is rinsing of the sugar out, and then you create the wort, and that's going to be the base of your beer. Absolutely. Okay, so that's your basically that's like your stock. That's your your ingredients right there. That's the that that starts the process. So now that you've got the wort, which usually is tastes sweet, got the sugars in there, you next go to the boiling mm -hmm. component. What does boiling do? Well, boiling does a couple things. It sanitizes it. It evaporates things that you don't actually want. Not Such as? Just fusel things, just things you're not actually going to need. It'll just evaporate. And it also evaporates water, so it condenses it. So you have a stronger, 
sugar solution. Got a stronger wort. Yes. Gotcha. Also, what it does is as you add hops throughout the boil, the heat and the temperature actually change the hops into more bittering. So the longer you have the hops in the boil, the more bitter they become. The less time you have, the more flavor you have retained. Because as you boil it longer, you're gonna, basically going to cook away all the flavors and aromas. So you put in hops throughout the entire process to get different flavors, aromas, and bitternesses out. So that boiling is step four, and then adding the hops is step five. But let's talk about boiling. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one temperature for boiling. We know that, that everything boils at the only one temperature. How long do you boil for? Roughly an hour, sometimes up to three hours. Now I boiled up to eight hours at one point. Now, you talked about being a brewer. It's all about time and temperature. Mm -hmm. Well, temperature, you know, boiling, that, that's a constant. But what time? How does that change? An hour the is the, a general um, length for a boil for a, for a typical batch of beer. If you do it for eight hours, how does that differ? Well, we did that for a little bit of fun. We made a, like a 15% Grand Cru, which was a lot of fun. So we boiled it for a really long time to get the sugars really high. So you want so the longer you boil, the higher the sugars. Yes, because you're evaporating the water. You're like, evaporating like the water. Reducing a sauce. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. So, but normally an hour on yep. average. Okay. So step four is the boiling. So well, as you boil longer, you're also caramelizing the sugars in it. You're you're making it more sweet, and you're you're making it uh, changing rich. the color as well. Also, yeah, more rich. And I'll tell you that is when I've I've sampled that. That's unbelievable when it comes out and yeah. it's nice and warm. That's great for a sore throat, by the way. Oh, yeah. It tastes great. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's got really cool tastes. And, and uh, most people would say, you know, I'm happy right here, but there's more. So let me recap here. We start with water, malted grain, whether it's wheat, whether it is barley, hops, yeast, adjuncts. Adjuncts could be a little mango, could be pumpkin, could be cinnamon, other spices. Step two is mashing of the grains. We want to steep the grains in hot water between 142 degrees to 159 degrees. The higher the temperature, the, I think you said, the higher the temperature, the fuller that it, uh, it can become? Correct. Okay. Now, number three is sparging, which is rinsing the sugars out of the grains creates the wort. We want to get rid of the spent grain, and now we want to have that, that water and that, those sugars create the wort. We then boil the wort, which is step four, and it concentrates the sugar. It sterilizes. It uh, gets rid of anything that we don't really want in there, pulls the bitterness out. And then step five is adding the hops. Now, before we talk about adding hops, let's talk about exactly what hops are. Remember, many people say it's a term for beer flavor, beer taste. It's hoppy. It's, uh, it's not very hoppy. And that really relates to the, when you say hoppy, to me, the amount of spiciness, basically, or bitterness, if you will, more bitterness, I think, kind of bitterness units, I think, that would be on the palate. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Yeah. I mean, you're, you get some flavors. You get earthy flavors from the hops. You'll get um, uh, tropical flavors, uh, mostly aromas. Um, you're not going to get any alcohol from the hops. It's all aroma. So, but let's talk about the different, because there's hundreds of varieties of hops. And one of the things that I just recently read is that many craft brewers are having difficulty getting hops because there's such a demand with all these new craft breweries coming in that it takes a couple of years between the time they plant the right. seed to the time they're able to grow it yep. and then let it sit. It's just like cigars. You can't just grow it and then say, great, I'm going to use it in six weeks. It's got to rest. It's got to age. It's got to ferment. So let's talk about hops, the different types of hops, where they come from, uh, tasting notes of hops. So a cool little fact about hops, and it kind of goes along with this, is that each hop variety, which there's hundreds of varieties, is actually a clone of the original 
type. So if you have a cascade hop, it, every field of cascade hop is a clone of the original. So they just take a part of the root and they regrow it. Because of that, if you get a disease that affects it specifically, it has no genetic mutations to protect itself. So you can have entire crops devastated by molds, by disease, and that can dramatically change how much are available that year. Say entire fields are gone, you're not going to have those. You have to try again, and that takes three or four years to get a real good harvest from, from a hop plant. They're, they grow 18 feet high, so you have to they grow the first year, and then they grow this next year, and they start producing really good the next year, and the third year is when they're really mature. Now, Pacific North, Northwest, known for growing hops? Mm-hmm. There's what? basically a belt around the planet from, like, uh, I'd say, southern Maine to northern Pennsylvania that goes all the way around the planet. That's, like, the, the best place to grow them. In that latitude? Mm-hmm. And why is that? Humidity, temperature, just everything, all the, all the different things. Like here, it's way too hot, way too rainy. For, for hops to grow, it just burns them out. And where, uh, how many varieties of hops do you sell here at Avid Brew Company? We probably have about 30, maybe 40 30. types. So and you get them from all over the world? Mm-hmm. Yep. What, what are some of the countries besides the United States? Germany, Austria. New um, Zealand. Yeah. Another one that's yeah. Aust- yeah, Australia has been good. Um, and they all have different notes, different flavors. Absolutely. And I'm Absolutely. noticing here they can be floral, spicy, fruity, earthy, citrusy or piney and there's others too those are just kind of the main ones people are really looking for okay so we're adding hops throughout the boiling process Mm -hmm. and how often do you add them it depends on the style i mean some you just do a little bit of bitterness some you do a little bit for just flavor most of the time you you put it throughout the whole process so you get a little bit of the bitterness so you can balance out the sweetness of the beer and then you go down towards the aroma okay so you've added the hops now and again, those boil for about an hour on average. And when we come back, we'll continue our home brewing 101 course. This is the best course you can take, by the way, uh, Alpha Males. This is not like taking astronomy or psychology. This is the science of brewing, home brewing 101 here at CDU. That's Cigar Dave University. And we will give you a degree. When we come back, we'll talk about the process after adding hops, the chilling, the pitching of the yeast, the fermentation and bottling, and then, of course, the drinking. We'll also get into, we talked about the equipment, some uh, prices, and what you should be looking for. We will continue celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest, Science of Brewing, Beer Brewing 101, here on The Cigar Dave Show. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. The Cigar Dave Officers Club features absolutely spectacular cigars. We've had amazing selections over the last 15 years. This year, we had the Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel Age Sampler. We had the Placencia Alma del Campo, the Aganorsa Leaf Sampler. We had the Platinum Nova Super Premium Sampler. 
And for October, we're featuring the A.J. Fernandez Sampler, three great cigars from one of Nicaragua's fantastic cigar manufacturers. The A.J. Fernandez Last Call Habano, nice small little cigar, and A.J. Fernandez Enclave Broadleaf. If you like Maduro cigars, you will love this Connecticut Broadleaf Raft Maduro, medium-bodied flavor. And the A.J. Fernandez San Latano Requiem Habano using an incredible, tasty Brazilian Habano wrapper, very, very rare. If you're not a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com right now. $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars shipped to you. That's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com and join. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate, and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth. It will entice you to enjoying more and more of the Vintage 99s. It's just a nice, great, balanced, smooth cigar. Look for it, the oldest Connecticut shape in the market today. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning, cigar smoking can cause cancer and heart disease. Home Brewing 101, the science of brewing. We're at Avid Brew Company, downtown St. Petersburg, with Jeff Keller, the owner and proprietor, and master brewer, Connor Meyer. Now, recapping here, there are eight, actually nine steps to creating beer. First is your ingredients. By the way, all these are at CigarDave.com. The second is mashing of the grains, steeping grains in hot water for an hour between 142 to 159 degrees. Sparging, rinsing the sugar out of the grains, creating the wort. Boiling for about an hour. Number five is adding the hops is where we left off. And Connor, you just gave me, and Jeff, you just gave me a, a half a glass here of hops. And these are what? Citra. Citra. This popular hop? Very. Okay. Especially among the IPAs. That, w- that was one that sold out because everyone wanted it last year. I'm getting notes of pininess, fruitiness, floral, a little citrus. Mm-hmm. Very incredible. Now, these come in like little pellets. Is that how they're grown, or are they created into they're, pellets? They're, they're grown in these little cones, but pellets are easier to transport because an ounce of, of uh, holy hops can actually go bad a lot quicker. And they, they, it's about, you know, it's a lot larger. So this, they, they just pulverize them and put them through an extruder that... And puts them into pellets. Gotcha. So this is a really more consistent what, and even in about them all too. This is what gives the beer a lot of flavor, a lot of the various tasting notes, whether it's real hoppy, those bitterness units, or the other taste that you would get on the palate. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we go to chilling. So the beer is boiled for just about an hour and or so. And you're adding the hops throughout. You're adding the hops. Okay. Then you go to chilling. Now, as I was saying about earlier uh, with the hops, the when you add them changes whether you're going to get bitterness from it, aroma from it, or uh, flavor from it. So if it takes you an hour, two hours to chill it down, all those aroma hops you put in have been in hot water for long enough where they become bittering hops. So the quicker you can chill it, 
the more you can retain the flavors that you want. Also, the less chance for infection you have. All right, and below 80 degrees. Mm -hmm. What's the rough temperature you chill at? I usually go for about 75. 75 degrees. Yeah, because so that's if it's too high, you're going to kill the yeast. If it's too cold, it's just going to keep the yeast asleep. Yeast gotcha. are your friends. You you, you want to make the environment for them really uh, um, happy. Well, when it comes to beer, beast is your uh, yeast is your friend. Not in, not in everything, though, however. All right, so the next thing is pitching the yeast. This is where you give life to your beer. This is where it becomes... Beer. Uh, well, yeah, that a living thing. I mean, yeast is... This is a beautiful thing. You can make alcohol. You can make CO2. So, I mean, it's just this is where the, the life comes to it. Comes and there are different types of yeast. There are. There's different. Different strains. strains. Yeah. Different strains from different regions, and they have different quali you know, qualities each, each one might produce. Same with water. Wa water and yeast are, are um, you know, related to the regions they come from. Okay. So then you pitch the yeast. And, and how this, long? This is the only time after you've cooled it down. Sanitation is a very key. Okay. You don't want infections of other bacterias, of wild yeasts. This is where you can get some really bad off flavors. So once you've chilled it, you've sanitized everything that's going to touch your beer at this point. It's still considered wart until the yeast is added. But sanitation is absolutely key. Okay. So you pitch the yeast. Then what happens? Step eight. You close it in the, for, in the fermenter and you add an airlock or... Have a um, beer. Yeah, you, you should have been drinking the whole should time. Should have been drinking the whole time. That's <laughs> true. Okay. Um, you make it so that nothing can get into it. So there's blow-off tubes, which basically, or an airlock, which just lets the CO2 the yeast is creating come out, but nothing come in. Okay. So fermentation, how long? About a month. A month. So basically, you, you, when you pitch the yeast, you then, uh, you're putting the yeast into a, a new container? Into, or you're putting in, it into the fermenter. Into the fermenter. Gotcha. So you take the wort, the boiled wort that has the hops, you chill it down, then you put it into the fermenter along with the yeast for 30 days. Now, difference between a lager and an ale involves the... You go back to temperature. 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 Um, lager yeast typically ferments around 55 degrees, and ale yeast typically ferment between 62 to 72 degrees. And one is a top fermenting and the other is a bottom fermenting. For the most part, yes. For the most part. Okay. Gotcha. So 30 days has now gone by. Now I'm looking here. You've got beer, ale, 62 to 72 degrees, two to three weeks. Lager, 55 to 60 degrees, two to three weeks. Now the term lager actually, lagering is aging at cold temperature. Aging so at cold temperature. A lager you'd ferment at 55, 50, 57 for two to three weeks, and then you would lager it for up to three months. And that's actually the process of lagering is about... 35 degrees and you maintain that for for two to three months and that actually clears the flavor it clears the beer out for clarity so lagers are longer ales about 30 days absolutely for so home brewers ales are a lot yeah. easier lagers, a lot lagers easier. require um, a lot more patience too correct so 30 days have gone by with your ale your mm -hmm. home brewed ale now what do you do comes out of the fermenter so you put it into another container that's also sterilized uh, you add a set amount of sugar and then you, you put add what now? a set amount of sugar, uh, okay. depending on how much carbonation you want. So this is this point, the yeast is still alive. Okay. So you put it in another bucket, you add sugar, and then you put it into each bottle and cap it. Okay. And what that sugar does, the yeast will eat that sugar inside the bottle and creating CO2. Okay. And it'll naturally carbonate inside of the bottle. All right. And then? You wait about two weeks, if even a week and a half. And you put it in your fridge, and you enjoy your nice, tasty beverage. Fantastic. And as we 
discussed in hour number one during our litation libation ceremony. We actually sampled some of your beers, which were absolutely fantastic. Now, somebody wants to buy a home brewing kit. We've learned all eight, nine steps, science of brewing, home brewing. I'm looking here, and we'll take a picture of this. We'll, actually, we did take a picture. We'll put this at CigarDave.com. That's an entire kit that you need, everything. How much? Around 200 $200, and you can become a home brewer. Mm-hmm. Right. And you also have classes here at Avid Brew Company in downtown St. Pete, 25 bucks each. Correct. Yep. Fantastic. Website? Avidbrew.com, and also on Facebook, uh, Avid Brew. Perfect. Jeff Keller, Connor Meyer of Avid Brew Company, downtown St. Pete. Gentlemen, thanks for the hospitality. Thanks, thanks no for the knowledge. Cigar Dave, the general, saying may your humidor always be full. May your cutter always be sharp. May your ash be extra, extra long. And may your beer always taste cool and refreshing. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. All the information you need on home brewing and the science of brewing, CigarDave.com. All the steps are listed there. Get to it. Make your own brewski. Cigar Oktoberfest continues next week.